Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brusseau. Hello, folks. Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity. We're a show about weirdos, and we're not sorry. All right? I'm joined by the most beautiful man under the sun, Mr. Aaron Pita. And a handsome devil unveiling a brand new profile, Mr. Uh Matt Brousseau. Hello, boy. And you're John Fahey. I'm John Fahey. Fahey. God damn it. This is a show about weirdos, Uh by By weirdos, weirdos. for weirdos. Absolutely. Freaks. Teak patrons, schizoids, weirdos, <laughs> perverts, high functioning and low functioning, <laughs> spazzes. <laughs> I love spazzes. Oh, I love spunky spazzes. Can I just tell you something real quick? Is it dumb? It's fucking so dumb. Oh, yes. Please. This is. I read this and I was like angry because <laughs> I was like, you have to be fucking joking me. Like... You know, uh, have you, have you ever, have you ever <laughs> oh, you can't even contain himself. Have you read any James Joyce? Yes, mm-hmm. you have. Well, I've read some titles. You want to be? You want to? You want to have? I want people to think I've read, read James Joyce. <laughs> Ulysses. Read, you read Ulysses? I'm familiar with it. Sure, sure. I read, I read Portrait, that's it. It's very kind of uh, stream of consciousness. Well, he talks about going to hookers and stuff in Portrait, you know what I mean? Oh, hell yeah. 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 But um, I didn't. I didn't know that um, he liked farting on people's faces during sex. James uh, Joyce. James Joyce. <laughs> the, uh, the Bard. Aaron, James Joyce. Aaron, this whole thing just reminded me of that fucking Crowley poem. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Drop it, homie. dude. Because the most insulting part of that Crowley poem is the farting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you have to be joking. Yeah, never mind the gonorrhea. Disgusting. No, farts is the worst, dude. Yeah. It's it's so like just no. Yes, just no. Well, it's because it, I even understand tucking into a plate of shit more than the farts. Diving right in, sure. Yeah. I mean, at least it's shit food. Yeah, at least it's something. <laughs> A fart. <laughs> a fart it's a is a hint of something. It's nothing. <laughs> it's a wisp. Yeah, it's a it's a ghost. Do you want to hear this complete psychopath writing to his girlfriend, James Joyce? James Joyce, the, one of yes. the most important writers modern modern era. Yeah, I mean, this fucking guy. Oh, this is so good. I was seriously like, just imagine as I read this, imagine me reading it and going, "Fuck you, man!" The whole time. <laughs> this is um. This is him writing to his girlfriend. If I gave you a bigger, stronger fuck than usual, fat, dirty farts came spluttering out of your backside. (laughs) You had an ass full of farts that night, darling, and I fucked them out of you. Big, fat fellows. Long, windy ones. Quick, little, merry cracks. And a lot of tiny, little, naughty farties. Farties. (laughs) Farties, <laughs> ending it. in a long gush from your hole. <laughs> he was a poet. Oh what my the fuck God. is going on? Dude, poetry fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> oh my God, he's not done. It is wonderful to fuck a farting woman <laughs> when every fuck drives one out of her. Who? What are these? You Who? know what? You goddamn Irish people are eating a bunch of cabbage, <laughs> so you can't help but fart and fuck. I don't know. 
Dude, it is horrible to fuck a farting woman when every fuck drives one out of her. <laughs> I think I would know Nora's fart anywhere. I think I could pick hers out in a room full of farting women. <laughs> it is a rather girlish noise, not like the wet, windy fart, which I imagine fat wives have. <laughs> It is sudden and dry and dirty, like what a bold girl would let off in a let off in fun in a school dormitory at night. <laughs> I, I hope. Well, you know what? I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you do not. He's, I know what I know what he means there. I don't. I don't quote unquote get this. Right. But that's it's a very good descriptor of a, a type of fart. Yeah. You got to give him credit mm-hmm. yeah. for that. So you're not get, you're not getting hard or anything. Um, hey, well, don't. You got a diamond hard skull cracker oh, over there, Chip? Dude, I'm harder than Chinese algebra right now, bro. <laughs> Wait, let me ask you. This is a letter about his lover to to, to, her. to her and about her. Oh Christ! Well, now, no, now I think he's. Um, well, now I think he's just talking about her. Okay, okay. Um, so it is sudden and dry and dirty, like what a bold girl would let off in fun in a school dormitory at night. I hope Nora will let off no end of her farts in my face, <laughs> so that I may know their smell also. Aw. Jesus. I love her. <laughs> he says, Good night, my little farting Nora, my <laughs> dirty little fuckbird. <laughs> Dude. Oh, God. You know, this goes to, to that bit that I had, that great men are not good people. Yeah, they're idiots. Yeah, they're scum. Yeah. God, it's, but wow. What a, I mean, hey, what a way with words. Mm-hmm. I just... I mean, where did when did where where did you uh what do you want to know what I googled? It's the number fart, three fart most, poems. Number three most popular <laughs> porn search in America. <laughs> no, I really, I just, I seriously, routinely since the show started, just look for perverts. <laughs> I just do different variations of words with the word pervert included. Yeah, <laughs> and so they usually give you like historical ones like that. It'll have like shit about right. Einstein or historical whatever. perverts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, it's like. I mean, that I'd never, ever heard before shocks the living shit out of me. That's incredible because, oh, man, James Joyce is James Joyce. Mm-hmm. How do not more people talk about this? Well, because they're, they don't want to. They're yeah. frightened of it. James Joyce loves farts. Most people will be like, oh, you ripped one? And he's like, let me tell you the 37 best adjectives for your asshole. <laughs> Can you imagine farting in somebody's face <laughs> while fucking? <laughs> And then having them write a diatribe about it. And yeah, who the fuck are all these farting girls that are getting nailed and farts are just streaming out of them? Oh my God. What is going on? God, what an act of imagination on this fellow. Mm -hmm. It's the type of fart I imagine a young schoolgirl would (laughs) blast out of her ass in a dormitory and, huh? Yeah. And I need to write this down (laughs) and send it to somebody. For posterity. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Christ. Thank I'm you for st- that. That is very stupid. I mm-hmm. thought you would like mm-hmm. that. Uh, man, I think we're going to have to have a recurring segment of great uh, <laughs> you know, fart poetry slam. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate it. It really makes me mad. I really, really, <laughs> I really don't like it. For some reason, it really offends me. And yeah. I, I'm not very offendable. Mm-mm. But it's so stupid that it sh- it's just like, fuck you, man. I hate it. Yeah. It, it, it's all... I mean, I wonder... If there's like a collection of his stupid fart poetry, like you know, white stains. Because, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, and can you imagine Nora reading this, being like, oh, "That's true, I do fart a lot." <laughs> oh, well, he's a romantic. 
I am a little fuckbird, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Good night, my farting little fuckbird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuckbird? Huh? <laughs> Fart in our face? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Profiles mm-hmm. in Eccentricity mm-hmm. and Perverts, Farts. Matt, you got, a, you got a, a, a doozy lined up for us here, pal. Yeah, a lot less farting, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, what? Sorry, mm. I'm sorry. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I want to go back to piss and nut. I yeah. don't like this fart Let's trend. get one thing straight here, audience. <laughs> we love piss. We love cum. Right. Sometimes we'll talk about shit. Mm-hmm. But farts? Come on. Yeah. Get out of here with that. Yeah. Matt, you've got a profile that you want to... Uh... I'm really excited for this okay. one. Okay. All right. This is a long time in the making. It yeah. is. This is a... Uh, uh, this took me a while. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It, uh, we can talk about it at the end. But I'm here to talk about uh, it's baseball season's coming up. You know? Yeah. Baseball! There you go. <laughs> You're already in. Nuts! Get your nuts! <laughs> Get some fucking nuts! Get, Get some, some fucking nuts! nuts. <laughs> now, uh, baseball is a, it's a slow game punctuated by bursts of uh, indu- individual uh, athleticism. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing happens until all of a sudden something happens. It's like war. Kind of, yeah. Hmm. But uh, unlike uh, war, baseball is really just a... It's one. It's one on one, or one man against the ball, or one woman against the ball. So, so, so it it, it tends to breed characters. Yeah, it's a very slow game, mm-hmm. uh, and it and it, even the people who are amazing at it tend to be a little bit weird because there's a lot of standing around and mm-hmm. thinking. And uh, throughout history, these guys like you know Manny Ramirez one time during uh, his great Boston, uh, Cleveland, uh, uh, even a Dodger one time during a a, a mound visit. The pitching coach went to the mound, and there was like a five-minute chat. During this time, Manny Ramirez walked into the green monster in Fenway and just sat there for like five, six minutes talking to people, and then he missed the next pitch. Yeah. Wow. And they said, oh, that's Manny being Manny. Yeah. You know, before that, Ricky Henderson, they said, it's Ricky being Ricky. One time, the uh, A's uh, accounting, the uh, Oakland, Oakland Athletics, the accounting division, they called him. They said, Ricky, our, our books are a million dollars off. What happened to that million dollar bonus <laughs> check we gave to you? And Ricky said, "Oh yeah, it's framed on my wall. <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted to be a millionaire, so I framed it <laughs> to look at it every day." I heard the same uh, same kind of story about um, Manny Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Is that they he he was not cashing his checks. He had a bunch of them in his uh, his locker one day. They're like, "We need to do our books," and we're like twenty million off. <laughs> what the fuck? But I also feel like he's probably getting direct deposit. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't know that paper checks yeah. just <laughs> sign a three hundred thousand dollar check, please. Yeah. Uh, you know, but there's also the sexual deviance too. Oh yes. Here's Yay. a here's a Mickey Mantle uh, story for you. In 1973, they wrote to Mickey. They said, "Mickey, he's a, Mickey Mantle was a, a Hall of Famer, a legend from the New York Yankees." They said, "Mickey, we're doing a 50th anniversary of Yankee Stadium, and we're going to have a, a a celebration." And they said, uh, "Can you fill out this form for us? Uh, what do you consider your outstanding experience at Yankee Stadium?" And Mickey he wrote back. I got a blowjob under the right field bleachers by the Yankees bullpen. <laughs> when you, when I hear that, it sounds like the entire Yankees bullpen blew Mickey Mantle. <laughs> There's more. There's oh, this, Jesus. This is a man who's one of the greatest center fielders in history, and they said... This event, they said, there's another section that says, this event occurred on or about. Give as much detail as you can. And Mickey wrote, it was about the third or fourth inning. I had a pull groin and couldn't fuck at the time. She was a very nice girl and asked me what to do with the cum after I came in her mouth. Oh, my God. I said, don't ask me. I'm no cocksucker. (laughs) And then he signed it, Mickey Mantle, the All-American Boy. Oh, my God. 
what? I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's more funny than she at. Like with a mouth. What do I do? I don't. What are you looking at me for? Suck. And before, you know, there's always been uh, men with uh, notable quips and quotations. Yogi Berra, it ain't over till it's over. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Mm-hmm. Baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. <laughs> the best. Before him is Casey Stengel. He'd say things like, all right, everybody line up alphabetically according to your height. You know? <laughs> Casey was also a showman. One time he was being booed. He was being heckled in Brooklyn. And so he was in the on-deck circle and he saw a bird. So he took that bird and he put it under his hat. Then he went to the plate and he doffed his cap and the bird flew out and everybody cheered. And he <laughs> won everybody over. But bigger than all of these guys was this man named Satchel Paige. Ooh. He comes from a time where, you know, baseball is an old game. It's over 100 years old. And there's a lot of history. But for one of the leagues, especially for the Negro Leagues, a lot of that history is lost. Mm-hmm. And so you get a lot of stories that are kind of apocryphal. That uh, maybe it's real, maybe it's not real. They had crazy nicknames like one guy named Mule Suttles. He carried a 50-ounce bat. Jesus! <laughs> just imagine a three-foot-long, three-pound weight that you had to swing fast enough to hit something 90 miles an hour. Mm. Round. Round. Spheroid. Yeah. Tiny. Normal, cool. normal bat's usually like 34. Yeah. Yeah. There was cool Papa Bell. He was so fast that according to one man, uh, one time he hit a line drive past his ear, and the pitcher turned around and saw the ball hit him on the ass and, as he slid in a second. <laughs> how fast he was. Oh he, my. Was so, he was so fast he could turn the lights off and be in bed before they went out. Yeah. <laughs> now the man who told those two stories was Satchel Paige yeah. mm. Now Satchel Paige had everything He liked to throw bloopers and loopers and droopers A jump ball, the b-ball, the screwball, the wobbly ball The whipsy do, the hurry up ball His fastball was called the long tom and the little tom hmm. Then he threw pitches like the four day rider The slow gin fizz, the step and pitch it The ephus, which is still used today The thoughtful stuff, the midnight creeper The single curve, the double curve, the triple curve The triple curve The triple curve Yeah he always said, he said, I never threw an illegal pitch. The trouble is, once in a while, I would toss one never seen by this generation. Uh-huh. Now, uh, some say he had 90 kids. No one knows if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but over the years... Could have been in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> he pitched for 40 years. The president, when he started, was Coolidge, and when, it, when he ended, was LBJ. Jesus. He threw over uh, 2,500 games for 250 teams, throwing 250 shutouts. Or was it 300 shutouts? Or was it 330 shutouts? Did he th- really throw 50 no-hitters? Mm. Who, who's to say? Sometimes who's he said say? he did. Sometimes he didn't say he did. One time he had uh, 29 starts in a month. He had three wins in a day once, according to wow. some people. Whoa. Now, Buck O'Neill's legendary uh, baseball uh, player, Negro Leaguer, he, he, he always said about Satcher, said the stories about Satcher are legendary, and some of them are even true. <laughs> uh, Satchel Page was born in 1906 Leroy Page He was the grandson of slaves He was one of 12 children He was born in a shotgun shack You know why they call it a shotgun shack? No Because if you shot a shotgun through the front door It would go through the back door mm. That's how small it was Right One of 12 kids So all the kids had to work So he spent his days Picking up bottles in the alleyway Delivering ice uh, working at a train station where you'd pick a bag, you as a porter, you'd pick up someone's bag, or, or and, and then you'd bring it somewhere else, and they'd mm-hmm. pay you ten cents. Mm-hmm. And so, according to uh, according to him, he got his name Satchel because he figured out a way to carry four bags at the same time. With a, you put a stick over your shoulder and lug them all up. That's one one version. Uh, that you know, people said he looked like a walking satchel tree. That's what uh, he said in one of his autobiographies. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
another person said a, a, a neighbor he had growing up said that <laughs> one of his autobiographies. He wrote three autobiographies. <laughs> maybe, maybe four. I don't know. Maybe four. <laughs> Another, uh, a neighbor of his said that one time he uh, he saw Satchel steal someone's bag and the guy chased him down and slapped him across the face. <laughs> and then he said the neighbor said that's when I started calling him Satchel. So maybe no. maybe that's the story. Uh, he was a delinquent. He would he would skip school a lot. Uh, one time he uh, when he was twelve he was walking home and he saw this five and dime store and he saw some fancy things in there. So he went in and he stole them. He got caught. They brought him to court. They brought his truant officer out. There's a whole thing. Twelve years old. And so they sentenced him to six years in reform school. Mm. And he had to leave home at 12. Six years? Six years. Good stuff always happens at reform school, I can tell you that. <laughs> Just go back and listen to Carl Pan's Ram episode. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting because this was in uh, Alabama at the time. And as uh, Jim Crow laws, everything was separate and, and not equal. But one of the interesting things was the school he went to, because of Jim Crow, blacks ran black institutions. Mm hmm. And so they had complete control over, over their own institutions. And so he was sent to this place called Mount Meigs. And their idea of, of black uh, entrepreneurship or, or black learning was based on this Booker T. Washington utilitarianism, mm. where it's like, we're going to teach them to be good at everything, uh, and so they will just rise up naturally. Mm -hmm. And so while he was there, he was in the choir and the band, and he chased girls, and he, he grew to be six feet tall and 140 pounds and he was, when he was 15. Mm. And that's where he learned to pitch. And uh, he had these giant hands. And so uh, when he was 18, they let him out six months early. The only record uh, at the end, they said, Inmate has an excellent record at this institution. And Satch always said he traded five years of freedom to learn how to pitch. Hmm. Huh. Now, so he's, he's uh, 18 in 1923, and uh, he needs a job, and he sees his brothers playing on this team, and he just walks up, and he goes, uh, uh, I'm, I can pitch. Mm -hmm. And so he goes, and he, he uh, the manager challenges him to... To, to, to throw to the manager And uh, in 10 pitches and he, the manager, he struck out the manager And the manager says uh, Do you throw that fast constantly? And uh, Satch says No sir I do it all the time <laughs> <laughs> This is a semi-pro uh, All-black team in Memphis Or Mobile I'm sorry In Mobile uh, That year he, had, he went 30 and 1 He had 30 wins and 1 loss As an 18 year old Next season he won 25 games in a row in the 26th game, he was up one nothing in the ninth with two outs, and his infield made three errors and the bases were loaded. So what he did is he told the whole outfield, he said, everybody get in here. And he made the outfield sit down, and then he threw three strikes and struck the next man out. Hmm. Holy shit. And he was wild. He used to just bean people just because he didn't have any control. <laughs> <laughs> he, <was> just, <laughs> he would oh throw hard. God. One guy said that... Uh, that he had uh, his team his team consisted of 18 players and after five innings nine of them had broken hands <laughs> and the other eight didn't want to face him <laughs> but he learned to throw hard and he, and he learned to throw with control he had his uh, his manager would set up soda pop bottles and he would have to knock them off or there was a hole in the fence the size of a grape through and he had to throw through it and he said he got so uh, Satch said I got so I could nip frosting off a cake with my fastball <laughs> There was even, he got so good that local teams wanted to rent him out. Even the white team, they said, we'll paint your white. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll give you 500 bucks and paint your white. Oh my. We'll paint your white. <laughs> that was, paint your white was, would have been his name. <laughs> paint your white. Satchel Page as paint your white. <laughs> uh, uh, he was talked out of it by his, his, his manager at the time. And, and, and looking back, Satch said, uh, nobody would have been fooled. White, black, green, yellow, or orange. Don't make any difference. Only one person can pitch like me. That's old Satch himself. 
Now, uh, so he played in the black ball circuit. He eventually made his way to Chattanooga, where he became a professional and uh, played for the Chattanooga White Sox. $250 a month. And uh, that uh, during those times, it was tough. There wasn't The league was kind of fractured all over the place. Basically, what they did was they barnstormed. If they could get a league game, they got a league game. Otherwise, they would just go to cities and just uh, just play whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would take eight men in a car and would drive out there. They would sleep in a train station. Oh, my God. The whites-only businesses wouldn't cater to them. Yeah. Uh, they were underfed, underpaid, undernoticed. Uh, you know, to the, the you know Josh Gibson's this legendary Negro leaguer. He's hit the longest ball ever in Yankee Stadium, even further than Babe Ruth ever hit. Wow. And no one knew who he was mm-hmm. for years. Uh, they would do two, three, four games a day. In the middle of, of nowhere, they'd play shitty fields. In, in order to get people to the to the stadium, they would have a band march through the town beforehand. So everybody working in the fields would be like, oh, there's a game today. And then they, afterwards, they'd all go to the game. Hmm. Uh, they pioneered the use of lights just so they could play at night. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1927, he joined the Birmingham Barons. This was his first uh, uh, real professional team. Uh uh, his first game there, he beamed a man and then he got chased off the field with a bat. <laughs> oh, my God. Fans th- took out knives and rocks and started threatening the players. Uh, the Birmingham what Reporter. What is going on? It's a big thing back then. Yeah. What? Who has knives at the game? <laughs> you know, you're walking around, you got to carry a knife with you. Let's yeah. kill these players. <laughs> back in the day, everyone's carrying knives and tomatoes and, and shit. So like throwing produce at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody's in the Warriors yeah. and shit. Yeah, you're, you're bringing your lunch, you're throwing it at people. <laughs> <laughs> the, the headline from uh, the Birmingham Reporter that night or that the next morning said "Near Riot." <laughs> Near, almost. almost close call. And uh, during these times, Satch, uh, he his control. He finally got a hand on his control. He was still just throwing fastballs, but uh, when he was in Birmingham, nineteen twenty-seven, he struck out eleven guys in one game, then twelve guys in one game. He only gave up four hits, no walks. When he would do things, he would come out. And he realized he had to play to the crowd, so he would just take his time and walk to the mound. And then when he got to the mound, he would take out a piece of gum, put it in his mouth, and then take the wrapper and put it on the plate. And then as he warmed up, he would only throw over the wrapper just to show how good of a control he had. Wow. Sometimes he would take matchsticks and just put them in the ground and throw over the matchstick. Hmm. Just kind of like, here, this is... Yeah. Check this out. In 1928, he threw 134 innings. It was most at the time. He had 112 strikeouts, 22 walks... He would, uh, uh, he would. People would say he could throw into a cup. He was so accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, one person called this fastball a white dot on a sunshiny day. They said they knew, needed two people to see it. <laughs> <laughs> one person said he threw so hard his pitches disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's very clever back then. You ever <laughs> noticed that? Yeah. Dude's fast. <laughs> In 1929, he was even better. Uh, he uh, uh, he struck out 18 guys in one game, 17 the next. He had 176 strikeouts. The next closest guy was 76 away. Hmm. He made uh, $1,400 that year, enough to buy a car, and then from then on, he drove himself everywhere. He never took the team buses. Oh, I'm sure they loved that. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> the other players, they said, you'd forgive him for everything because he was like a great big boy. He'd warm up by playing third base or clown around with somebody, then he'd go out and pitch a shutout. How do you get mad at a guy like that? Because <laughs> <laughs> one thing he did is he always brought people to the game, and that meant these guys got paid more. Uh-huh. And so you're, really? you're, you'd, you'd put up with it. If, if the more people are coming to the game, the owners make more money. Maybe they pay the players a little bit more. Mm. So there's a little bit of a trade-off there. Right. 
He also got the uh, 1929. If he won a game, he got a fish fry bonus. So he got, wow, oh, hey, good deal. we don't get fish fry bonuses here. No, <laughs> we don't get shit. It's just a lot of piss. Oh, I love piss though. <laughs> Did they get paid in piss? <laughs> <laughs> He's got to insert it in there. <laughs> Every Get to the piss already. Yeah, well, I'm waiting, but there's this great historical <laughs> story you got here, but where's the piss? Hear all this fish fry nonsense and dipsy doo pitches and matchstick man and. But where's the piss? <laughs> he pissed so fast it dried up. <laughs> <laughs> he could piss a hole through a corrugated steel fence. <laughs> In 1931, he moved up to Pittsburgh. There were two great Negro League teams. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, where? Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> uh. In the Negro Leagues, there were two great teams. There was the Homestead Grays, and there was the Pittsburgh Crawfords. And uh, Pittsburgh Crawfords were run by this guy named Gus Greenlee. He was a son of a brick mason. He boxcarred. He bootlegged. He ran numbers. He was basically a, a gangster who laundered his money into, into real things. Mm. Because the Negro Leagues, they, all the, they needed teams, and teams needed money. And so yeah. you took whoever you could get. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and about this time, they started renting Satchel out. He would, they'd say, Satchel, <laughs> you pitch for us, and then uh, you over, go over here across town, pitch for another team, and get 500 bucks for three innings. Wow. And so every, every night, he'd Whoa. pitch one game over here, one game over there, one this game over just, there. This is just year, a year later from making $1,400, mm-hmm. he's now getting 500 for a third of a game. Mm-hmm. Hey, moving up. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. Uh, in uh, in Pittsburgh, he played for maybe the greatest team ever, maybe the, at, le- at the very least the greatest Negro League team ever. They had five Hall of Famers from the Negro Leagues on there, mm-hmm. guys who didn't get elected to the Hall of Fame until 30, 40 years later, 50 mm-hmm. years later. Uh-huh. Uh, now, because he was playing with better players, they started to resent him more. You know, he wouldn't show up. Uh, one time he missed, uh, you know, he'd just miss a game. Uh, sometimes he wasn't paying attention in the outfield. One person said, uh, one time he had to play right field. And someone said, they hit a ball to right. We were all looking for Satchel to catch the ball, but he was over in the stands lighting a cigarette from one of the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy he brought. <laughs> Just, hey, you get cigarettes? <laughs> I was playing for this great team, uh, uh, and he only got better. In 1934, he had 15 complete games. He went 14-2. and two. Uh, Five shutouts. He had an ERA better than the best ERA in the major leagues in the, uh, at the time. Wow. Uh... It, 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 he threw his first no hitter in that in that game. The first inning, this guy, this guy Buck Leonard came up. He, he took a first pitch strike, and he said, "Ump, can you take a look at that ball?" Uh, and the ball, the ump said, "Oh, yeah, yeah, that ball's no good. We should throw it out." Next pitch, same thing. Ump threw the ball out. Next pitch, strike three. And uh, Sash yelled at him. He said, "You're gonna have to toss them all out because they're all gonna jump." <laughs> <laughs> and then he pitched again in the the game that afternoon. Hmm. He, uh, he had 17 Ks in the first game and one in the second game, and he pitched another, another three innings. He pitched uh, 15 innings in one day and against the same team. Shh. Shut him out both times. One time he went to Chicago, he pitched uh, a 10-inning complete game shutout. The third time he shut him out that year, to their local paper, their local black paper said, uh, our plea to Greenlee is please, please leave this string being pitcher, Satchel Page, at home. And he was so good that the white paper even noticed him. Hmm. Which was rare at the time. Yeah, it's... I mean, were these guys... Was he on drugs? Because, like, that's so much strain on your body. Right. Mm-hmm. Pitching is so bad for you. Mm-hmm. Your elbows and your shoulder. And, I mean, and you're pitching 15 innings a, a day? Yeah. That's got... I mean, these... Fuck. And just just to make some more money. Yeah. To yeah. survive. Just yeah. to survive. Yeah. You're fucking smoking cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> 
the the white newspaper in Chicago, uh, the Daily Times. This was one of the first times the white newspapers actually reported about uh, um, black baseball, and they, in their classic style, they said, "With measured tread, an African giant crosses the line and heads for the pitcher's box. It's Page, it's Satchel Page, and goodbye ball game." Whispers the stands. Gaunt as old Abe Lincoln, maybe it takes him two minutes to cross the fifty yards to the box. He stoops to toy with the rosin bag. Picks up the old apple. He mounts the bag, turns a sorrowful but burning, brooning eye to home place. Nods a nod that Hitler would give his eye for. Oh, what? <laughs> Raises two bony arms high towards the heaven, lets them sink slowly to his chest. Seconds pass like hours, the batter fidgets in the box. Suddenly that long right arm shoots back and forward like the piston on a sentry engine doing 90. All you can see is something like a thin line of pipe smoke. There's an explosion like a gunshot in the catcher's glove. Strike one. Howls the dusty umpire. They don't write like that. <laughs> no, man, no, it's fucking quicker. good shit. It's a lot quicker these days. Yeah, I mean, I mean, whether it's describing a pitch by a Negro League baseball player mm-hmm. or a fart from your <laughs> girlfriend's <laughs> mouth, <laughs> or into your, they don't write like that anymore, guys. And one thing that kept happening is he, he became so good that he became the gunfighter that every young gunfighter had to take on. Ooh. Uh-huh. And so everywhere he went, the best pitcher had to come out and face him. And everywhere, every every chance they could, they would try to set up a game between him and the newest young phenom. Uh, in 1934, he was in. Uh, they, they signed him up to play in Yankee Stadium against this young pitcher named Slim Jones. And uh, Satchel was uh, he kind of overslept, <laughs> uh, and he missed the, he missed the the team ride up to New York. So he decided to drive himself up there, and uh, uh, he drove all night. And he got into New York uh, so late that no hotels were open, so he just parked out in front of Yankee Stadium and fell asleep. Wow. And then the only way, they had a ball boy run to every car and knock on the window until they found him. Then he got dressed, and he went out, and uh, gave, a, gave up a run in the first inning, and then no one scored again for the rest of the game. How did they know he was sleeping in a car in the parking lot? <laughs> they just figured. Oh, find Satchel's car. He's Jesus. driving, he only, he's the only, he drives his car. Yeah. Everywhere. Uh, that game was called uh, Due to Dark. It went so long that they didn't have lights at Yankee Stadium at the time, so they had to mm. call it. So a month later, they had the same matchup again, this time in front of 25,000 people. Holy he, shit. In Yankee Stadium. He was perfect through four innings. He won a 3-1, to one, and some say it was the greatest game they've ever seen. Jesus. And uh, now, now that about this time, the money started, uh, started adding up. Instead of one shotgun, he had 15. <laughs> <laughs> what? He, hey, he, he grew up in a shotgun shack. Now he's got fifteen. He, shotguns. Sta- he started collecting guns. He started collecting cameras. He started collecting fishing poles. <laughs> he loved to fish. And all of a sudden, he had a couple decent suits, and then, <sighs> then suddenly, all of his suits were silk. Oh, oh hell wow. yeah! Yeah. And he said, uh, "It was like being a kid again. Being a kid for a guy who never really had a chance to be one. Mm-hmm. You can't tell the guy who's got good gravy all over his shirt front that the gravy bowl is going to be empty someday." <laughs> I didn't realize that until I just about sopped up all the gravy. <laughs> I don't get it, but I get it. Yeah, gravy's good. Gravy's good. <laughs> Bottom line. Yeah, gravy's good. I like gravy because it's like the piss of food. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, folks. <clears throat> oh God! Oh, Lord. So now he's spending even more money. So now he had to make more money, and this meant uh, uh, trying to find more avenues. Now, he, in 1934, he got married uh, for the first time. His he was so big in Pittsburgh that Bojangles was his best man. 
Wow. They got married at his owner's uh, grill, his, his owner's uh, hot restaurant. Hmm. And uh, he asked for the next season, he needed more money, so he asked for a raise. The owner didn't give it to him, so he went out to North Dakota, where there's a league out there. Mm-hmm. And he played out there instead. Hmm. Hell yeah. And this is when uh, he started playing against white players. So he had an all-black team, but they could play an all-white team. Yeah. But it also meant he had to deal with racism right. uh, 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 during the game. And sometimes this meant that you, they had to, to diffuse tension. You know, sometimes uh, it would mean the letting, the, letting the other team get close mm-hmm. or not keeping track of the score so they wouldn't be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes uh, they would uh, clown a little bit. Uh, <coughs> he would warm up in a, a chair. <laughs> he would sit in the field in a chair and warm up. Wow. Oh, man, that's funny. And they would do things like shadow ball where they would throw a f- uh, an invisible ball and play... Play an inning with inv- an invisible baseball. Oh my god! And they were, but they were always worried about Tomming. There's this idea the un- becoming uh-huh, yeah. Uncle Toms and 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 acting for white people instead of being themselves, mm-hmm. right? But one of the ways they dealt with this was by creating their own lexicon and creating their own vocabulary. Uh, so instead of a base, uh, instead of loading the bases, they'd call it walking the bases drunk. If a guy was a good guy, he was a hundred proof guy. If a lady had a, if lady was attractive, she had a shape on her hitting ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like that one. She's got a shape on her hitting 99. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, boy. I'm steamed. Uh, bad folks were as unwelcome as an undertaker at a marriage breakfast. <laughs> so in, some, in order to escape... I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> God. What are they talking about? It's just a whole bunch huh? of random words. An undertaking at a an undertaker at a marriage breakfast. Yeah, you know that breakfast you have after you get married. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a fucking undertaker here. The ball's on him. Bad news. <laughs> and from there, he went to he played in the California Winter League. This is a very famous league. It was a mixed race league, so he started playing with white people. Now uh, he played there for nine seasons, going fifty six and seven. Uh, he would average 12 strikeouts a game. He didn't lose for two years at one point. Wow. In the winter of 33 and 34, he, he pitched 20 games, 18 complete games, and went 16-2 and two with seven shutouts. Jesus, how old is he now? Right now, this is, uh, uh, he's uh, 26, 27. Okay. Uh, everybody back then said there's, there's no way he wasn't throwing over 100 miles an hour. Wow. He was so good in California that November 11th, which was known as Armistice Day, they instead called it Satchel Page Day. Wow. Oh. Uh, in between games, sometimes he would sing for fans uh, between double headers. He would he would go over the loudspeaker and sing 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 for them. <laughs> what did he sing? Whatever he, whatever yeah. tunes at the time. Yeah, he he was uh, always big into to, to music and dancing. Uh, he always liked to have people in his car with him because they could sing while he was driving around. Uh, one game in California, he pitched thirteen innings and won one nothing. <laughs> Some say that was the greatest game they've ever seen. What the fuck is up with his offense? His teammates not hitting scoring. Why are you going to make this guy pitch 13 innings? Hit the ball. <laughs> the other pitcher sounded pretty good, too. Yeah. Everybody was hammered. Everyone was fucking wasted. Everyone was wasted. <laughs> was wasted. Let's just keep playing. I don't know. So lit on piss. In 1934, he, he entered this thing called the Denver Post Tournament. This was the first time the Denver Post Tournament. It was a national tournament. Any team could enter. And this is the first year they allowed black players... And he played on this team called the House of David. <laughs> the House of David was this church, 
witch cult organization. Hell yeah. And all of them had giant beards. (laughs) So it was a team of like 20 guys with giant beards and overalls, and then this tall black man. Oh my god, what a sight. As their leader. As their leader. He he pitched 28 innings that year in that tournament with uh, he had 44 strikeouts. He won had 3 wins in 5 days once and they won $6400 which today is about $120,000. Jesus Christ. And, and that year that's when he started barnstorming with white folks. Mm-hmm. Uh white major leaguers uh, they recognized how how good he was and they started uh, white major leaguers didn't make a ton of money so during the off season they would play games for money. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. Some good piss. Yeah. <laughs> Edit that out in post. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so he started f- facing major leaguers. One of them was Dizzy Dean. And uh, uh, Dizzy Dean had, had, had put together this, uh, this team uh, with some major leaguers on it. And the first time he plays them, uh, uh, Dizzy triples on, off Satch. And there's no outs. And uh, according, this is according to Dizzy. He said, the fans are yelling their heads off at me when so- old Satch walks over to me and he says, I hope all your friends brought plenty to eat, Diz. Because if they wait for you to score, they're going to be here past dark. And then he struck out the next three guys. <laughs> wow. I love shit talking, man. It's the best. It is. Oh, And then backing it up like that. Mm. Oh, come on. It's the best. <laughs> or not. If you talk a ton of shit and they just go out there and I fuck it up. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's almost better. <laughs> it is. Just abject failure. Get ready, boys. The fireworks are coming. Yeah. <laughs> the guy you tell him run off you. Shit. Yeah. Now, Dizzy was a complete bigot. You know, he said the N-word. He didn't think uh, most black players had what it took. But about Satchel, he says, uh, he said, old Diz was pretty fast back in 33 and 34, but my fastball looks like a change of pace alongside that little pistol bullet old Satch shoots out. Hmm. And, you know, Satch, he always recognized the dichotomy of being this amazing, yeah. but also not being allowed to play for whites. Right. He he said about Dizzy, he said, They were saying Diz and me were like as alike as two tadpoles, but Diz was in the majors and I was bouncing around the peanut circuit. But he still always relishes, this just made him relish the chances against major leaguers more. Hmm. You know, uh, around that time, Roger Hornsby, he played some more major leaguers. Roger Hornsby had the second highest uh, batting average in history. Mm-hmm. And against Page one game, he struck out three times. Some say this is one of the reasons he joined the KKK. <laughs> That's so funny Now now Major League teams Started noticing Satchel And so They would use him To face off against guys They wanted to scout So they called him up one day They said "Uh, We want you to face off On this team of minor leaguers The Yankees called him And one of the minor leaguers Was uh, uh, Joe DiMaggio Now Satch So he put together A team of semi-pros And high schoolers and he still struck out 14 of these, uh, these, these uh, part major leaguers, part minor leaguers. He struck out two, uh, this guy Gus Sir, this great slugger from uh, the Pirates, struck him out three times, and this other, this Phillies player struck him out three times. The same game. DiMaggio went one for four with an infield single, and the Yankees telegram back home said, DiMaggio all we hoped he'd be. Hit Satch one for four. Wow. Now, uh, so uh, Satch just kept traveling around. He'd need more money, he'd go down to Cuba. He would go down to Venezuela, Dominican Republic. Huh. He would pitch everywhere. This was during the winter. He'd go down there, play some, uh, play some ball. Uh, he always he said at the end he, he pitched in seventeen countries. Jesus. And he's st- I mean like is he still broke? I mean he's got all these cameras. <laughs> yeah, he's got all this, he's just lugging. He's got all these cameras and fishing poles. <laughs> now he's not broke, but right. He's never. He's got solid. an appetite. Yeah. 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 And the money goes in and the money goes out. Right. 
And uh, this was a big problem because around, uh... <laughs> because he, whenever, wherever he went, he liked to, he liked to party. He, did, he didn't drink a lot, he didn't do drugs, but he liked to chase women. Mm. And at one point when he was in, uh, uh, the Dominican Republic, he actually got chased out of the country. <sighs> because he, he, uh, had relations with the wrong woman. What does that mean? So he, 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 uh, he was courting her, and her parents weren't very happy with it. And then one day, uh, something little, a little something extra happened. So they chased him out of town, and he hid away in a hotel for a few days. And, and then he called, he called home, and uh, and the guy at the desk was a cousin of that family. And he called the family, and they came and chased him out of the hotel, and he took the first boat home. Oh, my God. A little something extra happened? <laughs> it's called fucking. Uh, yeah. Nice. Guy at the desk. That's him! Fuck. <laughs> but in 1938, he, he got injured. For the first time ever, he hurt himself. He didn't, he didn't know what to do. His arm didn't work. Ugh. Uh, he went to every doctor he could find. He was told he'd never pitch again. And like you were saying, Peter, uh, the mechanics of throwing... Is, is is dangerous for yeah. the arm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's equivalent to a, uh, cocking your arm back with a, with a ball. is equi- equivalent to a 40-pound weight on your upper arm and lower neck. It's 180 pounds pulling against the shoulder socket when you release the ball. Jesus. Uh, the, his tendons in his arm was re- were releasing three horsepowers of energy. Mm-hmm. So he went to every doctor he could find. And uh, today th- th- we would say he had, a, he had a partially torn rotator cuff. Uh, he said uh, it might have happened because he stayed in the ocean too long. Or maybe he drank poisoned water. Huh. Or it was because he had bad teeth. Uh, <laughs> a little something extra happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, he was so bad, one, so one person said he couldn't even wipe the back of his neck. And uh, his catcher called him all washed up. <laughs> well, <laughs> how washed up could he be if he couldn't wipe the yep. <laughs> <laughs> So then he goes, uh, in Kansas City, this guy named uh, J.O. Wilkinson... He's a white owner of a black Kansas City Monarchs, this legendary uh, Negro League team. And he says, what the hell? I'll just, I got a minor league team. I'll just put Satch on them. The minor league team is called the Baby Monarchs. Hmm. And uh, Satch would just go out. He'd throw an inning or two, and it would hurt. Yeah. And then he started working out with uh, the, the trainer of the Monarchs, this guy named uh, Jew Baby Floyd. Jew Baby? Jew Baby Floyd. <sighs> like J-E-W Baby? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these like old baseball names are all they all sound like rapper names. Oh my god, <laughs> Jew Baby Floyd! I love it. His name was his first name was Frank, but everybody called him Jew Baby. Was he Jewish? He was a black man, <laughs> <laughs> but he was called. <laughs> Oh, Jew baby. <laughs> now, can you imagine? Call for the Jew baby. See Jew baby. He'll fix you right up. Yeah, he's a colored fella. <laughs> what? <laughs> and now, uh, so one day in uh, 1939, uh, Satch goes up to his catcher and he says, uh, Hey, buddy, uh, you better be ready because I'm ready today. With his first pitch in the game, he knocked the glove off his catcher. Ooh. Now, some people say that he fixed himself by just throwing a lot. Uh, a teammate said that he, he was fixed one, one time during a rain delay when a catcher punched him in the face. Yes. That'll do it. <laughs> Rookie of the year shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he fell to the ground and they, everybody heard a crack in the locker room. And according to this player, Satch stood up and said, you're either going to catch a fastball or catch my arm. And then they went out in the rain and threw. Wow. Now, but odds are, Jew Baby fixed it for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Because all he did was just basic stuff. He made him rest, he put him in ice baths and then hot baths, and then he gave him a cold towel and a hot towel. Right. This is stuff you do today for a partially yeah. torn rotator cuff. Huh. You rub it a little bit. Rub it a little bit. Put some ointment on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. some liniments. Satch was famous for his ointment. They always ask, where, where, what is that? And he said, oh, it's from here. It's from here. I went to an Indian reservation. They gave me this. So I, there's a pond down the street where I get special water. There's a million stories of where yeah. his special ointment came from. Really? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was piss. <laughs> it was piss. <laughs> I was going to say it was not. <laughs> it was a little bit of both. Yeah. And uh, in the winter of 3940, uh, he was in Guyana, pitching, playing baseball. Guyana? Uh-huh. Traveling around. That's where he met his second wife. She was half his age. She was 17, he was 34. Oh! Ooh. She barely, she, she didn't speak any English and he barely spoke Spanish. It's a match made in heaven. Yeah. Can't, you can't argue if you don't speak each other's language. Yeah. One time his, uh, his teammate Monte Irvin went to, uh, was playing on his team in Guyana and they went to her house and uh, he said the house uh, was on stilts. Underneath the house was room for pigs, chicken, and goats. And he even said there was a goat sitting on a chair on the porch rocking back and forth. <laughs> to this, Satch responded, Anytime you can trade a goat to do that, you must know these are pretty nice people. <laughs> that's no goat. That's my mother-in-law. <laughs> you Jew baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they can train a goat to sit in a rocking chair, these people must be all right. <laughs> you know, call me old-fashioned, but I just, <laughs> I just want to find a girl that doesn't speak English, <laughs> who lives on a house on stilts yeah. with a goat in a rocking chair. These I, people are the I, salt of the earth. I'm a romantic. Yeah. So her name was Lucy. He brought her back to the States. He never finalized his divorce with his other wife at the time. <laughs> but they lived together for a while, uh, and then eventually she moved back. But she always kept a picture of him on her... Uh, on, on her above her fireplace, Aww. that's how much she meant, and, and her family always liked him. So it was, uh, there was something nice there. That's sweet. Uh, this time he was now in, he was back in Kansas City. In Kansas City was hopping. It was a hopping time. Count Basie was there. Charlie Parker was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Satch was king of them all. Mm-hmm. It was the biggest thing in Kansas City. Wow. Uh, and uh, his his owner understood him at the time. His owner, uh, every player who signed for the team got a new suit. Mm-hmm. And his owner, he understood the only way to keep Satch around was to give him a place, a home. So he helped him buy a home. And hmm. the first time in Satch's life, he had his own home. Wow. Yeah, that's nice. And he was, uh, he started to settle down a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was a little more uh, uh, predictable. And now they really tried to make the most uh, out of him. It was a bigger stage. Mm-hmm. The Monarchs were, were, were the biggest Negro League team uh, in America at the time. Yeah, why do I, because I, even I know the Monarchs, and I know very little about baseball. Do they have other, like, big players at the time? Yes, I mean, that was the team Jackie Robinson played for for, like, half a season. Okay, okay, okay. Nobody else? No Gibson or anything like that? No, not Gibson, but there were other, uh, Buck, uh, Buck O'Neill, Monte Irvin, okay, other, okay. other Hall of Famers played for that team. Yeah. And they would do things like, anytime they went to Yankee Stadium, they would have this big Cadillac drive him up there, and he would get out with a woman around his arm oh, hell and walk yeah. into the stadium. Wow. Basically, it was like a red carpet. Yeah, white women, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, whatever you want, dude. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta show up. Yeah, you got a fucking sure, showmanship. They, uh, yeah, if you, if you say they're white, they're white. <laughs> <laughs> Paint them white. Paint, Paint them white. white. Try it out. Uh, because of his injury, he had now paint him white was the, <laughs> when they painted a, a Native American guy. <laughs> <laughs> Paint him white. <laughs> uh, 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 so stupid. <laughs> My people are tired. <laughs> Paint him <'em> white. <laughs> 
Now, because of his, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's okay. sorry. No, it's okay. Because of his injury, he started he started throwing uh, new pitches. He started uh, throwing curveballs and junk balls and dipsy doos and, and whoopsie has it's. In uh, forty, <laughs> he was the Willy Wonka of pitches. basically. <laughs> At this point, they would just have him go. He would, he he would normally he would just now he would just pitch like five innings and then he would go to another game and pitch five innings. If the score was close, he would pitch as long the pitch the whole game until the game wasn't close anymore. Uh, his team they made it to the 1942 Negro League World Series, and this is one of the very uh, this this Satch story. The game was in Philly, and he was in Pittsburgh because he had to spend the night with quote a mighty nice gal that he just had to see. <laughs> yeah, a little something extra. So uh, then he uh, woke up late, and he had to speed all the way across Pennsylvania to get to the game. On the way there, he got uh, pulled over for speeding. Had to go to court that day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What the fuck is going on? He got found guilty. He paid his ticket on the spot in cash and then drove to the game. Hell yeah. (coughs) He arrived in the fourth inning. He got dressed. And then he pitched five and a third innings of no-hit baseball, striking out seven, and they won. Oh, I love it. That is so funny. Getting pulled over and you got to go now. Right now. Right now. Go, go, go now. Go now. This you're, actually, you're actually late. <laughs> <laughs> you should hurry up. You should be driving faster. <laughs> well, he was a crazy driver. Uh, sometimes he would cross the road just to, just to follow a deer so he could shoot at it with his gun. Oh, my. One of 15. <laughs> while taking a picture of it. <laughs> Casting a line. <laughs> Reeling it in. <laughs> One time he was driving through Wyoming on his way to Phoenix, and uh, he's what? It was it was uh, the Looney Tunes of directions. <laughs> yeah, and he got pulled over by that a car. deer was hauling ass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he had some teammates in the car, and he got pulled over by a cop, and the the cops started yelling at him, and the cops like, "What are you where are you going?" He said, uh, "We're going to Phoenix to play baseball." And the guy said, "Wait a minute, are you Satchel Page? Oh my God, I love you!" And he, the guy said, well, "It's it's uh it's it's twenty five bucks." And so Satch gave him a 50, and the guy's like, all right, well, let me get your change. And Satch said, don't worry, I'm coming through here on my way back. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then he got out of the With car. With a white girl. <laughs> <laughs> and a goat. <laughs> Good uh, people. After, the ga- after the, he, he got out of the car, he followed the cop to the cop car, and when he came back, he had his 50 bucks back. No shit. Oh, wow. He talked the cop out of it. Hey. And uh, wow, the guts to get out and go talk to the cop? Mm-hmm. Jesus. That's, you can't do that in today's America. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Uh, and uh, he was a carouser. He was always picking up uh, women everywhere he went. Mm. At one point, uh, a teammate on, on a bus uh, said he got three telegrams from three different women saying, I can't wait until you're in D.C. No. And he says, Satch, uh, how are you going to take care of this? And Satch said, I'll just put them each in a different hotel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I do three games a day, dude. I can do all types of shit. I'm crafty. <laughs> One time he was traveling with his wife on the road, and uh, he was hooking up with another woman, and she was staying at the hotel, and he was knocking on her door, and her name was Nancy, and he said he was knocking on the door saying, Nancy, Nancy, and his wife opened up the door across the hall. Oh, Jesus Christ. And she said, who, who are you... Uh, Who's Nancy? And at that moment, Buck O'Neill walked out of his room, and Satch goes, oh, that's right there. And for the rest of his life, he called Buck O'Neill Nancy. Ah, very nice. So what the fuck was he doing there? Oh, the team was on the road. Oh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) They were just fucking. Right, right, right. He was fucking Nancy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, he was making good money in the 40s. He was making about uh, $700,000 in our money. Yeah. He was making $40,000 a year. Which is great. Which is about $700,000 a year in our money. A lot of cameras. more than four times as much as the average major leaguer. While he's in the Negro Leagues. Yes. Yeah. 
And then in 45, Jackie Robinson is signed by the Brooklyn Dodgers. Son of a bitch. And uh, Satch, uh, you know, he, he wanted to be first, obviously. Yeah. But he did say, you know, they didn't make a mistake by signing Robinson. They couldn't have picked a better man. Yeah. Uh, uh, in Cleveland, this, this great owner, Bill Veek, tried to sign him only uh, a year before, but the commissioner uh, wouldn't let him. Hmm. They, wouldn't let him sign Satchel. Wouldn't let him sign any black player. Right. Uh-huh. But who was he trying to sign, Jackie or Satch? Satch. Okay. But Satch was older at this point, right? He probably didn't have, like, the appeal that Jackie did. Right. Yeah. And also, he wasn't as easy to control. I mean... Jackie was a, all, you know, four-letter athlete at mm-hmm. UCLA. And right. From mm-hmm. Pasadena. And, he, and he, he, didn't, he wouldn't react. He, his whole thing was just, like, you know, just putting yeah. his head down. And, yeah. So control's not Satchel right would have, like, you know, fucking thrown a ball at somebody's face and taken their girlfriend and driven across state with them. Or I think right? he would have been I think he would have been pretty good humored it sounds like. Satchel? Yeah. That's fun. That's good humor. Well, it was yeah. Sat- Satchel he was from the Jim Crow era and then he he figured out a way to make it work for himself right. in a way. So you're ch- saying that was better. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Jim Matt, good. The good old days, Matt. Separate but equal is better. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so he's from the Jim Crow days. They like their own league, is what you're saying. <laughs> it's it's that's what I'm getting from you, Matt. Uh, he was able to to get along with white players, usually with his own ways. Uh, there, he played on a he had this white teammate at one point called uh, Scrap Iron Courtney, and this guy was total racist, complete mm. racist. Yeah, and so he he thought Satch was inferior, so he challenged him to a, a, a set of skills, a match of skills before the game. They each played shortstop, catcher, left field, and Satch bested him at all of them. Mm. And then uh, uh, Bill Veek said that a week later, I walked into a bar and there was Leroy and and Scrap Iron having dinner together. Mm. And he said, Scrap Iron told him, my pappy's coming up tomorrow from Louisiana. He's going to be right mad when he hears about us being friends. But Satch and me figure we can whoop him together. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, kick the shit out of your dad. Yeah, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's my new dad. Satch. (laughs) Have you met my new dad? He's black. <laughs> this is my new black dad, dad. But he, he was always good with the quip, Satch. One time a white reporter said, would you let your daughter date a white man? And to, to this, Satch responded, I wouldn't let her if he looked like you. <laughs> and a lot of people say, like, Jackie opened the door for blacks in baseball, but Satchel was the one who inserted the key. Mm-hmm. He's the one who... who, who Really got made the news, right? Yeah. So in 1948, Cleveland Indians are in the midst of a, a pennant race. The, they're facing the Joe DiMaggio's Yankees, Ted Williams' the Red Sox, Connie Mack's A's, mm. uh, and they needed something else. So their owner Bill Veek, a very eccentric man, he said, uh, "I still want to sign this Satchel Page guy." So he signed him without telling his manager. And uh, he, he calls up the manager one day, this guy, Lou Boudreaux, is the player and a manager. He was their starting shortstop and their manager. And he said, I got some kid for you. You want to you wanna huh. test him out? So they go to the stadium, the empty stadium, and Satch is sitting on the bench. Uh, and, and Lou's like, where's the, where's the young guy? And, he, and, and Veek points at Satch. And uh, Satch comes out and he goes, hey, would you mind if I just uh, jogged around a little bit to warm up? And then according to Veek, he ran about 75 yards. He turned around and he said, you know, Mr. Boudreaux, this is an awful big ballpark. <laughs> and then proceeded to throw 20 pitches against Lou Boudreau and uh, 19 swings no hits and they signed him the next day he wow. was 42 years old Jesus some kid yeah 
42 years old, the oldest rookie in Major League history. Oh, my no God. Oh, shit. Two days later, he was pitching for the Cleveland Indians. He came in the fifth inning. They were down 4-1. to one. The first batter singled, and then uh, in six pitches, he got three outs. The next inning, the same thing. He threw 12 pitches and got six outs. Hmm. A week later, he got his first win. Three weeks later, he w- got his first start. Uh, he was the, he, he, in front of 72,000 people. Hmm. Holy in Cleveland. shit! Wow, the the largest attendance ever for a Cleveland Indians game at that time. Where Jesus. did they play? Uh, the, the old Cleveland Stadium. And they got seventy two thousand. Seventy two thousand people. He went seven innings. They, they won. were smaller people. They were smaller people. <laughs> <laughs> they won four to. Th- uh, they won five to three, and they moved into first place. He was the first black pitcher to win a big league game since eighteen eighties. Wow. When uh, when they allowed black players to play. The good old days. The good old days. They did. Very yes, very briefly. Huh? Because yeah, there was a, the, I mean, there was probably there's a lot of Lincoln everyone, hype. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to cash in on this Lincoln hype. But so everywhere he went, the fans came out. They all he filled every stadium he went to. Uh, he went to Chicago. He was, they're playing a away game in Chicago. Fifty-one thousand fans showed up. Uh, filled the stadium, and then fifteen thousand people were turned away. Jesus fucking Christ! I mean, seventy-two thousand people is for anything. Yeah, is gigantic. It's, it's that's filling the Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, later that season, he they put 78,000 people in Cleveland to watch him pitch. Jesus. <sighs> on August 20th, Cleveland had, uh, they had just thrown uh, three shutouts in a row, 30 straight scoreless innings, and they needed one more shutout to tie the record, and Satch started. He walked slowly to the mound. He just milked it for everything he could. Cleveland scored one run. Satch, at 42 years old, it gave up three hits, threw a complete game shutout, and he struck. Out, he, uh, he got the last nine men out in order. Wow! And uh, there was a second shutout in a row for him. After six weeks in the majors, he was five and one. He had five wins and one loss mm-hmm. at, for, as, at forty-two. Jesus! He was only there for half a season that year, and he still was voted uh, fourth in rookie of the year as a forty-two year as a forty-two-year-old man who had been playing professionally for twenty-something years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had this pitch called the hesitation pitch, and it was so baffling. That the major leagues made it illegal that year. Oh my god! Do we know anything about it? So basically, as he was throwing, he would kind of pause or balk. <laughs> well, that's what they called it. That's what. That's why they made the rule. Yeah. But uh, it, you know, he would do things like he would wind up three times. Yeah. Uh, so a, a lot of his game was was just putting people off. Well, that that's uh. always like the hallmark of a great player is when they change the rules. When they change the game for you, mm-hmm. yeah, like Wilt Chamberlain, yeah, three seconds in the key, and but how? What were they? What were they making illegal? Pausing? Yeah, just it. it they said if if men were on base, you couldn't you couldn't slow your mo- you couldn't stop your motion halfway through. Mm. Uh, and so it, now in the major leagues, you have to you have to make a complete move. If you make any move toward the plate, you have to go all the way. You can't oh, pause. okay. Because, huh. because in baseball, hitting is all about timing. Right. It's, it's all timing. You have to you time when the pitcher starts moving. You time when the ball leaves his hand, when your foot touches the ground, right. when you start your swing. There's almost not enough time to react to the pitch. That, that That's how important timing is. There's a great documentary called Fastball mm-hmm. I'd recommend you watch where they go through even just like all the physics and the math of it about how much faster a pitch will get to the plate for every mile an hour and how it is really just hmm. timing it. Yeah, even more than reacting to it, huh? Fastball, the documentary. Hmm. Matt, sorry. No, it's great. Uh, he uh, at this point, uh, he, his his health was starting to catch up with him. 
Uh, Cleveland won the World Series that year. He didn't have much. Uh, he didn't pitch much in the World Series. The next year, he didn't pitch as well. His, his uh, health was 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 catching up. Uh, like I said, he had to have all his teeth removed. His teeth were so bad. Jesus Christ! Uh, but he still did everything. Like he would keep the team entertained by being the old man. One time on a train, he ate uh, he ate two meals so quickly that uh, the the waitress offered him a third jokingly. And then he ate that quickly, and then she returned with a fourth. <laughs> she returned with a fourth one. And he said, "No, miss, I'm not full. I'm just tired from all that eating, <laughs> and I got no teeth." <laughs> one time, he didn't show up for a game at Yankee Stadium because his arthritic toes told him it'd be a rainout, <laughs> and it was. Wow. <laughs> Uh, but no one knew his age back then. Sometimes he was fifty. Sometimes he was sixty. Uh, it, it, he was always he was always uh, he always flubbed his dates. He, you know, they asked him when he, his he married a third time. They asked him when the date was in his autobiography. He gave one date at a public <laughs> hearing. He gave another date in the newspaper. He gave a third date. <laughs> Well, also fuck the truth back then. If you're getting treated like fuck that, you're like, yeah, what? Yeah, I think I, I think I shut out like 300 times. You yeah. know, just make shit up. I threw. A, if you're not keeping track, dude, I'm not going to tell you the truth. Yeah, that's on you. I, my <laughs> job is to throw balls. <laughs> you're, you're the fact keepers. Well, as Satch would say about age, he would say, "Age is a question of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter." That's from the guy who married a 17 year old <laughs> Guyanese <laughs> girl. Yeah, still doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah, no teeth. Morality. Now, now fuck I'd... a doll. <laughs> goat in a chair. <laughs> knitting. I just picture that goat knitting. <laughs> Wearing glasses. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Man, the goat can't be comfortable. <laughs> you know, just... to sit in a chair as a goat can't be comfortable. No, eating a tin can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so Bill Veek, the the owner, he sold the Indians uh, uh, the next year, and and they didn't want to put up with Satch anymore, so they let him go. And then uh, uh, three years later, he uh, Veek bought another team, the St. Louis Browns, and they were terrible, and they needed they needed attendance, so they brought Satch in, and he doubled the attendance. Jesus year. Christ! They only won twenty six games, but Satch had a hand in twenty two of those wins. He led the American League in inning relief innings and relief wins. Hmm. And uh, in August 6th, he pitched a 12-inning shutout, complete game shutout, and he was uh, uh, 48 by now. Fuck. Jeez. I mean, what's with all these 15-inning games? <laughs> like, nobody was backing him up. Yeah. It must be... No wonder he fucking threw his arm out. Uh, um, so much effort. About this time, he started really getting a little more eccentric. Uh, fans would hand him liquor when he was sitting in the bullpen. He would just drink it with them. Hell yeah. Yes. He would carry a bucket of beers with him. Fuck Yeah. Uh, one time between innings at Fenway Park, they were like, Who, wait, who's that guy? It turns out Satchel Page was at the concession stand buying beer. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. I love piss. And, uh, <laughs> I got no teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like that girl with cum in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's who blew Mickey Mantle. <laughs> By '56, he was out of the majors again. Uh, he was an old man at this point. He was uh, in his fifties now. It was near his fifties. He was forty-nine by then, or fifty-eight. Or fifty-eight. Who knows? Who's to say? So he bounced around with other teams. He played minor league teams. He played semi-pro ball. And then 1965, Charlie Finley, the owner of uh, Kansas City A's, he uh, he's like, why not? He signed a 59-year-old Satchel Page. Jesus. Wow. To pitch one game. 
Huh. During the game, he had him sit in a rocking chair in the bullpen. <laughs> next to a <laughs> gun. <laughs> or, or I guess it was next to the bullpen. The bullpen was underground. And uh, to this, Satch said, I'm close enough to being below ground level as it is. Wow. Uh, he went three innings in that game. He threw 28 pitches. He only gave up one hit. Damn. After the game, the crowd stayed until he came out from the dugout and they sang Old Gray Mare to him. Hmm. What's that? Old Gray Mare ain't what she used to be. Oh. Old, old traditional song. He, uh, he, because of that, he holds the record for the oldest Major League Baseball player uh, at 59 years old in two months and eight days. His catcher was 33 years younger than him. Jesus. So wait, why one game? Just because he was 59 years old. Yeah, they did a lot. I feel like there were a lot of those kind of like stunt signs. Like, yeah. I remember they signed a, a midget once. Bill Veek did that. That figure No that shit. Bill yeah, he did. I think he had a, he had a, a lot streak of, of things. That. Bill did Ve- he come up with Chief Wahoo? No. <laughs> that is not a gimmick. <laughs> no, that is a legit mascot. <laughs> yeah, that's symbol. totally cool. <laughs> Wahoo! Chief Wahoo. Paint oh, white. It's so <laughs> funny. It's so fucked up. It's so fucked up that it's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most racist thing, any anything, mm-hmm. of anything mm-hmm. ever. It's so funny. Yeah. So dumb. And then the people who fight it, you're like, what, what, what are you fighting this for? Yeah. You got to be embarrassed, man. It's a pretty cool looking logo. It's, <laughs> dude, it looks so... Imagine having that on your clothes. <laughs> Do you ever leave the house with Chief fucking Wahoo <laughs> yeah. on your head? Imagine living in Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, my Be- God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel like Bill Vick did a number of those. Um, Bill, Bill Vick would do the... He signed... Um, uh, uh, yeah, he a, signed tiny person, a tiny person. The, the strike zone was non-existent. He signed a, a super tall person. Yeah. Huh. He, he did a thing called Disco Demolition Night once. Oh. Where, oh, I know about that. Yeah, where where he said between between the third or fourth inning, bring all the disco records, we're going to blow them up in center field. Yeah. It was also 10 cent beer night, so they blew up the records and then all the drunk fans stormed the field and yeah. they had to cancel the game. They were going uh, ape shit. <laughs> Hell yeah. And what were they blowing it up with? I, th- I don't remember. Like, because I thought I thought they were like steamrolling them or do something, but they were blowing them up, mm-hmm. oh, and so it was cool. it was all disco records. Yeah, amazing. That is incredible. Oh, I love spectacle. <laughs> so, at this point, Satch was just an old man. He he played on a couple teams. Uh, when he 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 started running out of money, and he was only a year away from his pension for being in the major leagues. So a team signed him to be a player, but not play, just right. so he could reach his pension and and get yeah. paid. And uh, and so he just bounced around a little bit, but he ha- always had a way with words, and this got picked up. Uh, so he wrote his first autobiography <gasps> in 1948, and then he wrote another one in 1962. Oh, so funny. And uh, because, uh, because of his way with words, that uh, reporters would come to him, and they, if they needed a, this story, they'd be like, Satch, tell me all, all kinds of things <laughs> so I could publish it. <laughs> So he has a lot of sayings, like, uh, there's a saying people use all the time, but uh, it actually it's from Satchel Page. It's, work like you don't need the money, like, love like you've never been hurt, dance like nobody's been watching. Really? That's no That's Satchel way. Page. Oh, my God. Every, every AIM profile from here yeah. to eternity. If huh. you don't, can't handle me at my <laughs> <laughs> toothless fastball. <laughs> you don't deserve me at my goat in a rocking chair. <laughs> <laughs> He would say, as Satch said, uh, you know, about baseball, you win a few, you lose a few, some get rained out. But you got to dress for all of them. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Can't be naked. (laughs) He said, I never rush myself. See, they can't start the game without me. Wow. 
And uh, but even about you know he would even wax about race. He for you know he said the only change that baseball turned page from a second class citizen into a second class immortal. Mm. Oof. And this this part of that was because around the 1971 he was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And at first they said, oh we're going to put you in the Negro League wing. Ooh. Oh. So they had a wing for all of the major league players, and then they would separate them. A, a, a physical different a wing physical in Cooperstown. Physical different ri- wing. Yes. With its own water fountain <laughs> and everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then people made such a stink about this that they included him with everybody. He was the first Negro leaguer in the in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Hmm. And uh, he's the f- and so he was the first black person in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Period. I no, I think Jackie Robinson was in before him. Okay. Mm-hmm. He okay. was the first uh, true Negro leaguer. Right. Jackie Robinson played for the Monarchs for for a ha- few months. Yeah, right, got right, it. Right. Okay. Okay. But as he got older and and uh, started telling more stories, you know, the, what was the truth and what was the fiction? Yeah. Um, you know, people, one of his catchers, uh, all of his catchers said they had deformed hands. Yeah. <laughs> one of them said he put a $2 steak in his mitt and by the end of the game his hand looked like hamburger. <laughs> you know, and, and as you go along some of the stories, the truth comes out. Cool Papa Bell, the story of him uh, being in bed before the lights turned out, Cool Papa Bell came out and he told a story. He said, actually, you know, I was I was rooming with Satch at the time and I was the first one at the room and I turn on the light and it turns out there was a three second delay between the light, the switch and when the light went out. <laughs> and so he said, hey, Satch, I bet I can be in bed before the light goes out. Ah. And that's where the real story comes Got out. Got it. So he, he, he lived uh, until 1982 and during that time he had, he, he, had, Jesus Christ. he had six kids. He had a house with uh, 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 30 dogs at one point. <laughs> 1,000 cameras. All, each one had a camera. <laughs> <laughs> and he would just travel around, and he would show up, and people would give him gifts. Uh, and But as he got older, he got a little more cur- curmudgeonly and started addressing that he, he always felt like the major leagues never gave him enough of a chance, that they never did enough for black players, even after they had let Jackie in. Yeah. He, he's right. Yeah. June 8th, uh, 1982, is uh, he died. He uh, His heart gave out. And uh, they, uh, the the day after they named a, a stadium after him, and after he died, they started naming all kinds of things after him: schools really? and and uh, uh, streets and stadiums and. Huh. Uh, but the mystery never, uh, in very Satch style, the mystery never ended. On his headstone, they wrote, "Died 1982, born question <laughs> mark." That's great. I love it. <laughs> Mm. Folk hero. Very much so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Babe in the Blue Ox type of thing. Oh, yeah. Johnny Appleseed. Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. yeah. I love when, like, someone is becomes a folk hero and their past is muddied. Yes. And you yes. can kind of just say it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But if you think it did, it did. Yeah. It's just... Um... It's crazy thinking about people living through those times and dealing with the frustration of it and then still being really funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's incredible. That's, uh, that's, I mean, to me, I mean, like, that he's, I mean, getting mad when he's like 80 is like, duh. Yeah. Of course. (laughs) You know, of course. Like, everybody's pissed when they're 80. Yeah. You know? He was born in 06. He was born in 06. He died in 82. Right. Mm, right. Well, he was born in question mark. He was born in (laughs) question mark. We want to be technical. Yeah. And that's a long time ago. <laughs> Satchel Page, a fine Ru- profile, Matt. Thank you. That was very, very fun. 
Yeah, he's a yeah. Someone I've always I've never really I've always known about him, and I've mm. known you know his sayings and yeah. some of his history, and and you go through it all, and at the end of the day, it's like well, even the stuff that wasn't completely true does it? It doesn't even matter. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's just something you know because large, larger it, than life. If it if it it doesn't matter if it's true so much that he was worthy of it being made up about him. Yeah, I mean it, it, he was so good before he even injured himself. Yeah, that. Uh, he was arguably the greatest pitcher in America, right? And then he got injured, and then he came back and was again the greatest pitcher in America. Yeah. And then even in his forties, you know, a few years ago, Randy Johnson was forty-five pitching, and they're like, "This is amazing! How did he do it?" All right. Mm-hmm. And it's like steroids. <laughs> that's how they all. That's how that new that whole forty was the new thirty thing in baseball, especially for pitchers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think there's a really great <laughs> thing about that time too, with all of the quotes and everything. There's this. I get like nostalgic for this thing I I never knew, but what's so great to me about like the celebrity culture and everything about that time is that everybody is kind of not taking themselves seriously, right? And they very much make fun of themselves, yeah. And if like they're asked something about themselves, they make themselves sound so great that obviously it's a joke, right? And stuff like that, you know what I mean? Whereas now people are not joking; they right. just are like, "I'm great," and, and they're not. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, they're not great, <laughs> and they're not joking. <laughs> right, right. But the greats were great and joked about. Not being great, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's like it's so much more charming. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's uh, that's really really cool. I recommend, uh, of course, Ken Burns baseball. Yeah. yeah, I was saying to him that's the only that's the only time I've ever really got exposure to. The well, it's really. It, I mean, it's it's great. It's one it's of fantastic. the great documentaries. Yeah, it is, and it's um. Uh, they 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 get into a lot of those folk hero characters and stuff, and they put in a historical context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you, I mean, like even if you don't like baseball, man, oh, no, it is so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, you don't have to like or care or know about baseball to enjoy it. Yeah, my brother used to play that over and over and over again. Yeah, all of it. We just watch the whole thing over and over and over again. Yeah, that's how good it is. Mm-hmm. It's dope. And I never saw my brother ever watch a baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, well, because, you know, sometimes baseball's boring, yeah. but yeah. Uh, some of the people aren't boring. Right. No, mm-hmm. no, yeah. I and mean, the stories aren't boring. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, the fucking, I mean, just the this, this stuff uh, in that documentary on Ty Cobb is mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, yeah. He was a maniac. Complete psychopath. Um, there's, yeah, there's so many good stories. Um, Ted Williams. At one time, uh, Ty Cobb uh, pulled a gun on Ted Williams. Really? In, uh, in Florida, during spring training, Ted Williams, uh, he heard Ty Cobb was standing at a hotel nearby. He went over to the hotel to talk about hitting with him. Ty Cobb got so angry about his thoughts on hitting that he pulled a gun on him until he left. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> you think it's good to hit the ball hard? <laughs> you idiot. What, what, what argument is there to be had? Well, Ty Cobb had a... Try and hit it. He tr- <laughs> No! He, he split his hands on the bat. Mm-hmm. Oh! Yeah, he had a, an unorthodox way of swinging, but Ted Williams hit 400. <laughs> he held the bat at both ends. <laughs> <laughs> I do things a little differently on Ted Williams. Uh, you took a long time doing that. Yeah, yeah. A big thanks to Larry Ty for his book Satchel, which is like uh, where the, the myth and the, the reality all comes uh, is strained out, and you kind of get Very the nice. picture of Satchel. Big thanks to Satchel and his and three autobiographies. His, <laughs> <laughs> his 90 kids. <laughs> All yeah. named Satchel. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, I think I think that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for listening. Sure, yes. yeah, thank you. that was really really fun. And if you didn't listen, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, have some very 
uh, exciting news. We're going to be doing a live taping of the program. Yes. Profiles in Eccentricity live. Live to tape. At the Hollywood Hotel. The newly remodeled Hollywood Hotel of Hollywood Extremely in Little Armenia. Glamorous. Um all of the uh all of um the Unpops crew are gonna be there doing a little stand up, etc. Oh, we are? I don't know if we are, I would oh, guess. Fuck. We are. <laughs> um, I guess. Yeah. Um uh, I don't know. I don't want to assume that I'm booked ever. Uh, <laughs> even when it's your show. <laughs> even when it's my show. Uh, but we are going to have um, the uh, the show taped live. Yeah. And it's going to be juicy. Is it going to be tasty? It's going to be, yeah. We're gonna. I'm going to save some really good stuff for this live show. Yeah. And if you are a listener in Los Angeles, please come out. Yes. We would love to meet you. Yeah, we'll put it on the Instagram. Yeah. And uh, March 9th, so w- this episode will come out before yeah. our March 9th, John and I, mm-hmm. will be doing Heath Barcelona and Randy Rigg live also at, at, the, Hollywood also at the Hollywood Hotel. We're kind of big there. Okay? Yeah, yeah. We toured up there last night. Oh, mm-hmm. got, got tore up last mm-hmm. night at got, the yeah. Quincy Johnson's Performing Under the Influence show. Yes, very, very mm-hmm. fun. Uh, from what I hear, it was fun. It was very fun. Yeah. Uh, Matt destroyed me. Yes. Mm. Oh, thanks. You were fantastic. <laughs> I didn't, uh, yeah, you were a surprise uh, booking. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't know I was booked. I wasn't booked. I just showed up and I needed the spot. So. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So oh, yeah. fun. I, I, man, I love that fucking, that joke so much. <laughs> the local <laughs> stories. Can I, can you say it? <laughs> uh, uh, I, cause my, I came from a small town and the newspaper would say things like, man eats all the bread. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid! It's really stupid. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to our piss jokes, everyone. We're sorry, but not yeah. really. No, not at all. I love it, Matt. Thank you for the profile. Thank, thank you, Matt. You. As always, excellent, well researched, and well presented. Good night, everybody. We love you. 